702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 702 app, DSTV Channel 856, 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, it's Cape Town's turn to celebrate the Booker. The trophy tour gets underway from Grand Parade. The president has addressed the Agoa Summit. Gizwe Mpunu has been found not guilty and is acquitted of all three charges of inciting violence. Zandile Mape is fitness to stand trials under scrutiny. And it's Friday, so sports and good things too. All of that over the next hour. 702. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. Cape Town, your turn today. Uh, the trophy has been through Pretoria, it's been through Johannesburg, and now it's in Cape Town today, the Springbok Victory Parade. Uh, starting at the Grand Parade and uh, heading around the city of Cape Town. Earlier today, the Springboks were at Parliament as well. Uh, so lots of people turning out today in Cape Town. As you heard in the news bulletin, Jordan Hill Lewis, the mayor of Cape Town, uh, saying that people have come from Clan William, from Lanesburg, from all sorts of places. I know there's some disappointment like there was in Joburg that it didn't go everywhere. Similarly, in Cape Town, the fact that it hasn't gone to Paul, where many of the Springboks come from, uh, but lots of people turning out today. Katua Lowe, EWN sports reporter, is on the bus. Katua, lucky you. Mandy, hello. It's absolutely in Insane. Yes. Insane. Uh, but uh, I heard some people saying Joburg, it was also absolute chaos. Um, here's almost a more controlled chaos in the city of Cape Town, but it's just people are peeling out the windows on top of buildings. It's just, um, we're in the third bus. Uh, Sia is in the second bus, and he's just lifting the way of Ellis Cup to obviously just basking in the glory over here in Cape Town, where he played most of his rugby career. It is just, it's just, we can finally see what the actor did for South Africa on this side of the country. It's so interesting, right? Like, Sia has been celebrating since Saturday night, and he's still bringing the energy. When he arrived at the airport in Cape Town, uh, he and Jesse Krill were singing in the, uh, at, at the, air, <laughs> at, at the, the luggage co- uh, console. Um, he, has, he hasn't uh, calmed down at all. He hasn't become tired, and these guys must be exhausted. Describe What's what's happening there at the moment? Uh, at the moment, they are on two uh, buses, the four-time champions. As he has in the middle one, um, he did have a little speech there at the city hall. Um, you can hear as you stand up for concert, same as Biggie, yes, like he's a bit. You can see the voice has been used a lot at the moment. Um, and Jason Colby also has something to say because uh, you know he's from Cryfontaine, and there was a huge crowd from Cryfontaine, yeah, absolutely representing the Colbys. And you can hear the Vazellas, which I don't know, I don't think I last heard it in 2010. And the crowd is just all out in the street. It's going very, very slowly. Um, but uh, they just absolutely, everyone's got a beverage in their hand and they're enjoying life at the moment. They've got their white um, flat caps, their champion cap, flat caps on as well. Um, so, I mean, they, they really are champions. Fabulous, Couture. Enjoy that. Uh, and I think it's, it's going to be quite the experience uh, for, for Couture out there on one of the buses as uh, that uh, parade continues. If you are wanting to catch a glimpse of the Springboks, uh, it did start at uh, the Grand Parade at exactly 12 o'clock. They're going through Adderley Street, Whale, Long, Baton, Single, Loop. Wharf, Walter Sisulu, Beitenkracht, Hansstradom, Hertog Boulevard, Nelson Mandela Boulevard, and they head to Langa, and they go through Langa, and then through Bontehierville as well. Uh, so if you do want to drop what you're doing right now in Cape Town, get out there, go and support the Boca, you can do that. Have a listen to some of these people who have chosen to do just that today. I'm Stephanie Olafi, and I'm from Durbanville, and I'm here to see Eben Etzebet. 
And why do you like Kevin so much? Because he's very good looking. <laughs> Hello, my name is Michaela Soteka. I'm from Cryfontein. I'm here for everyone, in fact. My favorite is Five Declared, Pollard, Sia Colisi. And we're very proud of the boys. We are here to see them and cheer for them. Thank you. Okay, I'm Johan. My favorite book, and the guys I'd like to see, it's Etzebeth and Peter Stefter Toy. They're the best players, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm Joandri, and we're from Blauberg, and here to see Sia Kulisi and Andre Pollard. Good morning, everybody. The name is Amelia Baptist Capoto, all the way from Atlantis. I got up very early this morning, but I'm here. I would just like to say my favorite player in the whole world, obviously, is Faf, my little chihuahua baby. So I'm here today to see him. And then don't worry, rest of the box, you're still my favorite. Thank you, people. Um, no, my name is Nalidi Nkonyeni. I'm from Mitchell, Spain. And today I came here to see the poker and specifically Oxen Chair. Uh, people say I kind of look like him, so I can kind of relate to him. And I'm also probably um, the prop position. And he's phenomenal when he plays. So, yeah, I'm just kind of excited to come see him, um, celebrate with the rest of the country on his achievements and the rest of the team. Yeah. So beautiful to hear all those voices, people coming from different backgrounds, uh, different areas, supporting different players. Uh, you frequently hear the same players being mentioned. There were a few different ones there, which is which is quite nice. I have noticed that uh, Elizabeth is a um, big fan favorite. And there's this, this beautiful video that's being shared on social media of Eben Etzebeth meeting Siad Lamini from Forksrust in Mpumalanga. And he was the boy who renamed him to Elizabeth on social media. If you saw the original post. It's beautiful. He actually got to meet uh, Eben Etzebeth and uh, it shows Eben, who's so tall, uh, giving him a, a cuddle and saying, hey, you changed my name. So everyone out there getting to to meet their heroes. And the Boca even went through Parliament earlier today. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, was there for us. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. Tell us about the reception the, the Boca received at Parliament. Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, it was the first stop um, this morning uh, when the Springboks left their hotel. Parliament uh, was um, their first stop before they headed to the Grand Parade. Light rain was falling and it was just the um, vibe at Parliament, just palpable um, uh, excitement from the staff and parliamentarians. It was closed off to the public, but as you can imagine, many of staff members brought their young children. Um, but it was the parliamentarians themselves, um, uh, Mandy, who were quite beside themselves to welcome uh, the Springboks. As you know, there has not been any reason to celebrate there have been no um, invitations to visitors to Parliament since last year's fire. And so today it was um, early this morning, you know, quite something to witness um, again to see Parliament draping the pillars and the fencing and setting out a stage. This time, of course, in front of the National Council of Provinces. Four years ago when the Springboks were at Parliament, of course, they were welcomed onto the steps of the National Assembly. That now no longer being possible. Um, but still, uh, what's happening on the parliamentary precinct right now uh, didn't deflect in any way from the excitement of the Springboks um, arriving on the precinct there this morning. Must be interesting to see that confluence between sport and politics. And uh, I've been listening to Sia Khaleesi and what he's been saying around politics yesterday at the Union Buildings. He gave some recommendations to to President Cyril Ramaphosa about uh, how uh, the lack of diversity in cabinets and how they could learn from from the Springboks. So hopefully the politicians were listening carefully today uh, when the Springboks were there and, and also watching carefully to see what lessons we can learn in politics from, from our sport. Sports stars. 
Yes, he was very thankful, he said, not only to the parliamentarians of this current parliament, he said, for backing um, the Springbok strategy in um, that going into this World Cup, but also thanking the forebears. He was, had quite a somber uh, speech, he says, as someone who um, was born into a divided nation, into major uh, inequalities, which could effectively have scuppered um, any opportunity of him standing on a world stage today as a World uh, Cup winning Springbok um, champion. Um, and he said sport uh, really showed what could be done if people work together. He said the victory uh, was really to show the nation, it was for the nation, uh, to show them that no matter what the adversities are, no matter the divisions, uh, no matter the differences between cultures, he said the team themselves had put aside their backgrounds, their cultures, uh, to come together and to show the nation what can be done if people work together uh, and put aside their differences. So also a lesson uh, again today, Mandy, for parliamentarians. Lindsay, thank you. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter at Parliament, where the Springboks were earlier, members of Parliament coming out to support them. Uh, and I think that Tia Kulisi has shown incredible leadership in, in his comments, uh, what he's been saying. But I do wonder whether, and, and I could be wrong here, but I get Imran Khan vibes from from Sia Khaleesi. Do you think he's positioning himself for a career in politics? Uh, my colleagues don't think so. They think that I'm, I'm way off the mark on this one. But I wonder if there isn't a little bit of Sia Khaleesi that thinks, hmm, post-rugby, could I go into a career in politics? He's such an incredible leader. Could we see an Imran Khan vibe from Sia Khaleesi becoming a politician one day? What do you think? 18 minutes past 12 on the Midday Report, President Cyril Ramaphosa today delivering the keynote address at the African Growth and Opportunity Act Summit, the AGOA Summit in Joburg. AGOA, of course, the trade agreement between the US and 35 African countries, allowing preferential access for sub-Saharan countries to the US market. Uh, so that, of course, is happening today. Tiri Madia, EWN Associate Politics Editor, is there for us. Tiri, good afternoon to you. Take us through what the President had to say and what's being discussed at AGOA today. Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, today has actually been quite ceremonial where we've seen President Ramaphosa addressing delegates. We also saw the um, U.S. Um, representative for trade, Catherine Tai, also speaking on a message from the Secretary of State, um, Anthony Blinken, as well. But really just speaking about what the vision entails, what the hope is from a goal, what the agreement means for relations between the African continent as well as the U.S. And I think by and large, Mandy, about the vision, as opposed to yesterday, where you had different groupings actually sitting down and trying to do with different clauses in their goal agreement and what works and what doesn't work. So yesterday what you had was you saw labor meetings, civil society, business meeting as well. The president is, of course, um, throwing his weight behind their given early renewal. Remember, there's an issue where they want to bring that forward as opposed to 2025 and having a little bit longer. President Ramaphosa today speaking about that and his wishes about what a goal would be for South Africa as well as the continent. You mentioned uh, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State uh, for the U.S. He sent uh, a video message. Absolutely. Catherine Tai Ta introduced Blinken to the audience. But just before she did so, I must quickly point out that she spoke about what the hassles have been. While trade between Africa and the U.S. has been quite great as far as 2022 was concerned, where they've been able to get about 6.8 exports. I mean, 10 billion rather from 6.8 the previous year. She spoke about the issues around the economies that are facing challenges 
a hangover from COVID as well, where there's also a fragile and vulnerable supply market. However, she speaks about how the vision is still what they wanted it to be when a girl was founded well over 20 years ago. Um, Anthony Blinken speaking really to those sentiments about what their vision is for what their um, goal would mean for Africa as well as the U.S. But let's take a listen to some of that audio from Anthony Blinken. Precisely because more inclusive, sustainable growth is good for Africa and good for America and good for the world, President Biden fully supports the reauthorization of AGOA. But we don't just want to extend AGOA. We want to work with the United States Congress to make it even better. And that's what this week's dialogue is all about. In addition to the work before us in this forum, we're determined to continue to deliver on our commitments to December's African Leaders Summit which are essential to creating economies and societies where trade and investment can flourish. Through the Partnership for Global Infrastructure Investment, we're helping to finance projects like the Libido Corridor between the DRC, Zambia, and Angola, which will enhance connectivity and make it easier to do business in and with Africa. That's Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, speaking in a video message. City, the president is delivering the keynote address. We'll play some of that audio in a minute. Um, but he seemed quite animated, quite upbeat, quite optimistic about the trade relationship with uh, with the U.S. today. Absolutely, man. You need to also take into consideration the fact that since the last conversation happened, well, for, since the establishment, rather, of our goal is that Africa itself has found the Africa Free Trade Agreement and how that will also be something that benefits the continent even more so. So the president is quite happy. So I want to make an argument that I think the country is in a, in a euphoric mood. I mean, Catherine Tai spoke about that, and that's in relation to the box. But he is quite a piece about what is possible. And, and a lot of praise, funny enough, for Amaposa as well, in terms of how much you've pushed for Africa to be on the table, how much you've pushed as far as trade agreements. Think about the COVID period, Mandy, and how the president was pushing for Africa to also be able to to, to um, manufacture its own vaccines and whatnot. So all those, all, all his, his efforts have also been recognized. And I think he is in a space where he's lauded by his African counterparts for his efforts as well as the United States. Sidi, thank you very much. Sidi Madia, EWN's Associate Politics Editor, who is at the AGOA Summit for us, speaking there about the fact that the President delivered the keynote address and take a listen to some of that. This continent is on the move. This continent is the next best story of economic growth not for itself, but in the whole world, because Africa is on the moon. The exports under AGOA can complement the efforts of African countries themselves through the, as I said, the African continental free trade area. This free trade area is an engine for increased trade with each other. We have made very substantial progress and we expect that uh, as we commence to trade more fully under this trade agreement, we will be able to see great results and benefits shortly. The duty-free quota market access provided by the United States under AGOA can be further leveraged to promote investment in Africa, including from the United States. I'm glad that trade ministers from across the continent have been able to meet and to engage 
with their counterparts and colleagues from the United States. But I'm also pleased that the labor unions have also been in the mix and civil society as well. This will be about one of the best uh, conferences or summits that we have held to bring together a full combination of the key role players in any economy. And for us as South Africa, I would say this is the way we work. This is the way we roll. This is how we do things. And so it's wonderful to do things. So we would like you to look at the extension of our renewal of AGOA for a sufficiently lengthy period for it to act as an incentive to investors to build new factories on the African continent. And as we were going around talking to a number of product producers, the recurring message and word I heard is we can do more. We can do more if this opportunity is extended and we can build more capacity. If we have certainty, Ambassador Tai, that yes, the period of extension will be longer. Now, shorter periods of extension impede uh, investment ambitions. And we therefore want to see a much lengthier period of extension. United States and Africa, we are going to be here for a long time. United States and us, we are here for the long haul. So let us make AGOA a long haul opportunity for all of us. A very upbeat President Cyril Ramaphosa. Africa is on the move. Do you share his sentiments? Uh, he really does sound positive about the relationship between South Africa and the US. 702. 702. Mandy Weiner. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. EWN reporter back at the Pretoria High Court for us where the men accused of uh, killing Senzo Miwa are appearing today. Still, that trial within a trial discussion around whether or not that alleged confession can be admitted as evidence. Khomotso, good afternoon to you. Uh, bring us up to speed with developments today. Well, Mandy, it's been a very short day in the Pretoria High Court today as the state wraps up its, cross- its examination in chief of Sergeant Busmuzi Mohani. He was part of the investigation team that um, was working on the Sensei case. And um, once the state had completed their examination in chief, we heard from the defense that they would like some time uh, to go through the evidence that has been led, but also to consult with their clients. So as we speak now, the accused and the defense are in the Pretoria High Court um, in court GC, really just consulting and speaking about the evidence that's been led. However, before uh, court adjourned until Monday, we heard uh, a number of details from Mohane around his relationship with Mohane Dancy. That's the second accused, Mandy. He's spoken about how Dancy actually seemed very comfortable on that day. He says uh, on the, well, during the period of the arrest and the investigation before he made that alleged confession, he says he even told him very jokingly that he's a star dancer, Zulu dancer, and he, is, uh, he wants to show him that he can put his leg under his armpit. And that's how flexible he is. And he said, you know, that, that they seemed like they were having, you know, an all right time. And so he wasn't surprised when Dante were offered to make that confession statement. However, we know that Dante now says that he was beaten. 
he says that he was assaulted by police, he was suffocated, tubed and choked in order to make that confession. So currently what's going to happen is that Mohane um, will return to the witness stand on Monday and the defence will have their opportunity to cross-examine him. Okay, and then after that, are we done with the trial within a trial or do we expect more witnesses? Sadly not. So we expect more witnesses only from the state. You know, the trial within a trial works like a normal trial, so the state will, will finish needing their evidence and then the defence will bring their own, um, their own witnesses. What we're looking forward to, Mandy, is that there will be more investigating officers or people from the investigation team coming. We are anticipating the testimony of uh, Sergeant Muhola, who you know, was the arresting officer of some of the accused, but also she, her name pops up a lot in just how this case came to be what it is. But uh, even more than her, Mandy, we're all waiting for Brigadier Gilinda. He is the head of the Cold Cases Unit, and he's the man behind the case um, in the docket 636 that is mm. before the Pretoria High Court. Komoto, thank you very much. Komoto Modise, EWN reporter. Uh, Colonel Ganinda, of course, uh, he is very well-known police officer. Uh, he is central to this case. In fact, he was uh, the investigating officer in one of the primary cases against Radovan Krejcik, the uh, Czech fugitive. So uh, I, I do know Colonel Ganinda well. I'm also looking forward to his testimony there. I think it's going to be fascinating to hear what he has to say. 12.33 on the Midday Report on the WhatsApp line. Hi, Mandy. I agree with you that it does seem that Sia Kulisi is aiming for a career in politics. However, he'll he'll soon realise that politics is even a dirtier game than rugby. Thank you, uh, Hasmuk in Mondial. I did ask the question earlier uh, that Sia Kulisi is sounding very presidential. Uh, is he uh, positioning himself for a career in politics? Uh, Imran Khan vibes, where you see a sports star going into politics and potentially becoming the president one day. Uh, the comments that he has made are displaying enormous leadership, very insightful, uh, lots to learn for our politics. So do you think that Tia Khaleesi perhaps is positioning himself for a career in politics? I'd love to hear from you. 72 702 1702 It's so funny that you mentioned that now, Mandy. I literally this morning, I opened Instagram. Obviously, Tia will probably never read it. I think over a million followers. But I sent him a message and I said, my man, after your rugby career, go into politics and start your political party. You have my vote. Very funny that you should say that. Gorbis from uh, Radberg. President Sia Khaleesi, would you vote for him? I think the next elections are probably uh, too soon. But who knows? Maybe he'll, he'll start a political party one day and he'll stand for, for public office. Or maybe he'll just go and coach the Springboks to another World Cup victory. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Breaking news just before we came on air. Ngizwe Mtunu has been found not guilty, acquitted of all three charges he was facing, uh, which included inciting public violence and contravening the Disaster Management Act. Uh, he, of course, the former Okozi FM DJ. There were comments that he made at a press conference just before the July unrest, calling for former President Jacob Zuma's release from prison. Well, former President Jacob Zuma was in the courtroom today celebrating as... Uh, as he was acquitted. And then, um, of course, there were comments made outside the courtroom as well by Ngizwem Kunu. Have a listen to what he had to say.
Uh, I think we've got a problem with that audio, unfortunately, uh, with the comments that he was making outside court. But Bernadette Wicks, EWN reporter, was there for us. Bernadette, good afternoon to you. Firstly, take us through uh, what the court decided in that judgment. Well, essentially, Mandy, they found that the state hadn't proved its case beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, When it came to the charges where he was charged with breaching the Disaster Management Act, because this press briefing took place at a time when the country was still under COVID-19 restrictions, um, essentially the court found that a permit that he he had put up as evidence during the course of the trial had basically gone unchallenged, so it accepted that permit. And then when it came to the incitement charges... The court was critical of certain comments he made at that at that press briefing, saying that they were wrong and using that language. Um, and those really spoke to his comments around the constitutional court's judgment and his criticism of that judgment. Um, but the court found that ultimately this didn't amount to a crime. On his version, he called that press briefing to call for calm. And the court found that that version was reasonably possibly true in terms of the evidence that was before it. And so he was acquitted on all the charges. And tell us about the reaction in the courtroom. I have seen some videos of former Mm. President Jacob Zuma celebrating in the front row. Yes, it absolutely burst out into song and dance in the public gallery. Um, and Gunu himself made his way to the former president, who was seated in the front row of the gallery. They were dancing together. They were singing together. It was a very, very jubilant mood from the side of Gunu's supporters. Very interesting, Bernadette Wicks, uh, EWN reporter. Thank you for for that. And I, I can already hear people saying, oh, former President Jacob Zuma is supposed to be ill and uh, he can't go to his own court appearances, but he was able to come to Joburg and uh, appear in court uh, for this decision today. Well, speaking outside court afterwards, uh, and Gizwem Kuno did make comments. We've managed to sort out that audio, and this audio is courtesy of Newsroom Africa. Have a listen. <laughs> No, 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 we haven't. But it was a good effort, though. Well done. Uh, we did try and sort that out just so that we could play it, play it for you. But unfortunately, there are some technical gremlins. Uh, but that's the judgment handed down by the court today, acquitting Ngizwe Mkunu. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. Today is day two of the inquiry into Zandile Mafia's fitness to stand trial. Mafia, of course, accused of setting alight the National Assembly buildings. Uh, Yesterday, there was an outburst in the courtroom. Uh, He threatened the lives of two of the judges. He gave reasons as to why he set Parliament alight. And there was some concern around why he was sent to um, for psychiatric uh, evaluation as well. And Tutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, following that for us. And Tutuzelo, good afternoon to you. Thanks for your time. Yesterday when we spoke, there there was some discussion around whether or not the audio of Zandile Mafe's outburst could be published. What was the decision on that, ultimately? Uh, good afternoon, Mandy. Uh, yes, you're correct. Um, um, that was a, a, a ruling that needed to be made by Judge Nathan Erasmus. And before the court adjourned yesterday, he did make a ruling on, on that audio that journalists took of Zandile Mafe uh, going on a rant about different things. Um, the Judge Erasmus said that, um, you know, he can't bar the media from reporting on things that happen, and the court has not taken a decision, um, you know, on Zandile Mafe's state of um, well-being or his mental state. So we, as the media, can go ahead and use the the audio that we, we, you know, we took of him uh, going on a rant yesterday. 
And what's happening today in Tutuzelo in terms of this inquiry into his uh, fitness to uh, stand trial? So today, um, Mandy Zandile Mafe has taken the stand, uh, you know, and his legal representative, uh, Advocate Dalim Pofu SC, is going through um, the statements and some of the things that Zandile Mafe had told the police during his arrest and some of the demands that he made at the time. Um, at the stand today, Zandile Mafe has told the court that he, he believes it was the right thing to set parliament alight. Uh, because it's not serving South Africa. However, he maintains his innocence throughout this, um, everything that he has said. Um, and Dalim Pofe has spent the last hour going through the reasons why he believed Parliament should be set alight. He said that he didn't want the State of the Nation address to take place and referred to it as the State of Nonsense address. Um, he's saying that the reasons for this is that, you know, um, at the, at the address, the president is always saying the same thing all the time. Nothing changes. People remain hungry. And he's saying that the president could have used the state of the nation to resign and for his cabinet to resign. And the significance, and he gave a, a, a specific date for the resignation of uh, January 8th, 2022, saying the significance of this is that um, the this date is the, the formation of the ANC in 1912. So it would have been um, or served better for the president and the ANC, um, you know, to, 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 to relinquish power as the ruling party or as the governing party um, yeah, on, this, on this date of, of the ANC's uh, formation. Ntutuzelo, thank you very much. Ntutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, speaking there about Zandile Mafe's uh, fitness to stand a trial. The state of nonsense address. I think a lot of people would probably agree with Zandile Mafe on the state of nonsense address. I think that would resonate with some people. That's that's for sure. On the WhatsApp line, Andy says, Yo, imagine how people can stand up like this to our corrupt government. We have no idea the power we actually have. Hashtag stronger together speaking there about people coming out in support of the, the spring box. I've seen a lot of that. Of course, not an incitement to um, to, to mutiny or, or for a coup, um, but imagine how people do stand up like this to our corrupt government. And then Raymond says, it reminds me of that day when Madiba was there being released. And then the Grand Parade does look a lot like that uh, in terms of people coming out today, uh, seeing Sio uh, Khaleesi and, and the Boka out there, and just the volume of people out in support of the Boka. Lots of parallels being drawn between the Springboks and our political leadership at the moment. 702 The Midday Report with Mandy Weiner. Let's walk the talk. Well, in Parliament today, the Standing Committee on the Auditor-General is receiving a briefing from the Auditor-General of South Africa, Sakani Maroleke, on the 2023 Municipal Material Irregularity Report. Babalo Ndenze, EWN reporter, joining us now. Babalo, good afternoon to you. The Municipal Material Irregularity Report, what is that? Uh, yes, indeed, Mandy. This is a report that the Auditor-General promised to bring back to the committee at their last engagement. She said she would focus on these MIs that affect, you know, that are related to the Municipal Finance Management Act. So she's back today before SCOAG or the Standing Committee to give them this update on these material irregularities. And she's basically telling members of this committee that uh, these MIs have led to a financial loss of 5.19 billion rand. 
Um, so that's over 5 billion rand as a loss as a result of these MIs. And this is related to things like non-compliance, uh, Mandy, of policies and, and laws, as well as suspected fraud. And she's saying that, you know, they, they have managed, you know, to at least recover, but it's only a fraction of that 5 billion that, that they, they are able to get back into the fiscus. So and that's 182 million rand. And these, these are MIs or irregularities are related to 170 auditees or municipalities. And they've identified 268 material irregularities across these auditees. So, um, a huge figure of 5.19 billion, Randy, which is really um, a serious number that they're currently discussing now as members. She's just wrapped up that presentation. So she does say that it does cause substantial harm to the public. And she gave a physical example of how an MI can cause, you know, serious harm to the public. There are certain, you know, water authorities in these councils, water boards, you know, that are implicated or are involved in these MIs. And these water boards, um, you know, can... I mean, their operations could be affected as a result of this, as a result, you know, harming the public that consumes, you know, this product at the end of the day. So, you know, the committee really getting a an, an, an updated version or an, an in-depth update by the by the Auditor General on these material irregularities, Mandy. Babalo, thank you for that. Uh, Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, telling us about the Standing Committee on the Auditor General receiving that briefing from the Auditor General of South Africa. Sports Wrap. Sports Wrap. With Tolagele Mganga. Tolakele, it feels like we've been speaking about sport all week, but not the actual on-the-field stuff, but the off-the-field stuff, the celebrations, which is wonderful. Uh, a lot of people weighing in on whether or not Sia Kulisi could have a political career one day. Irene uh, on Facebook saying, I hope the ANC can take a lesson from the Springboks. Um, what are your thoughts? I think it's one thing to be the hero that delivers us success. It's another thing to be the man that has to tell the nation that, oh, we can't do this, we can't afford that, and Mm. to juggle everybody's wants and needs. The position that he's in right now, it's the perfect one. Be the best ever rugby captain. Every time we see you in the shops, we're like, yeah, see a colleague, because... If he ever, I also think like the personality of politics doesn't go with who he is. His main message has always been unity and making sure there's an understanding of if we work together, we can accomplish a lot more. With politics in this country, if I work with my political party, it's for the benefit of the party. So I think he must stay just being the sports hero. He can go the Francois Pinot route where he yeah. goes. He'd be a into, statesman in yes, a different way. Go into business, all of those things. I think rugby, that's the one sport where a lot of them have careers that have such longevity once they stop playing. He can also be a commentator on Supersport. I would love to hear his thoughts. Yeah. So there's all these other options available to him. But Not for me personally, with you. stay away from I think he, he'll, he'll, he'll play a very good role in terms of being a statesman outside of the political arena, in civil society, you in the sporting environment. They always refer to him as the head boy. And I really like that about him. The fact that he gets us all excited about all the other national teams, like he was wearing the Proteus top yesterday. All of those things. That's a good niche for him. Not politics. Uh, but some of these gents need to drink some water, hey? Damien Willemsa. Mark... <laughs> There's this one video that I saw uh, probably 10 minutes ago where literally Trevor Nyakan is on stage dancing and Damon is on his knees because he's just had it. Also, is that kit being washed? That's also between my... him and, and Cheslin and the strapping <laughs> that's been on since Saturday. There's a lot of questions. I'm anyway. so proud of Faf de Clack this time around. Hey, him and his speedo. Just for wearing clothes. Ooh. 
I'm so proud of him. Look at him. We're growing. We're growing as a country. Let's speak about actual sport because there is actual sport uh, to discuss. And let's start with uh, the cricket. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've made a conscious decision, Tolo Kele. I have decided that the Proteas are going to win the World Cup. And I'm okay with whatever happens, but I genuinely believe it. No matter what happens, I honestly think this is probably their best showing in quite a while. Yes, we're, we're, there are some people that are still going, ah, when we get to the semifinals, blah, blah, blah. We're going to choke. We're going to choke. Even if we I th- will definitely get to the semifinals, even if we don't take that final step, there's a lot of positives to take going into the future. I think the only sad thing is the fact that it's going to be Quentin de Kock's last 50-over tournament. But there's so much to take from this. Temba Pavuma, I think he's the only person who's really has a lot of doubters against him because he hasn't really scored the big runs. But there's a lot of positives to take from this team. I also like the fact that they're not talking themselves up. But when you play India, the only thing I ask of them is to make a statement, whatever the statement Mm. is. Make the right statement and say to the nation, we see that you guys are now looking at us. And I think they've been inspired by the Springboks. Absolutely. Well. There's there's never been a press conference where they don't mention the fact that they don't they're not looking to compete with what the box are doing, but they're taking inspiration and realizing that they're also capable of going far, but they take it one step at a time because they do mention every press conference. It's a process. Mm. Uh, there's football happening this weekend as well. Yes, in the Premier League, Manchester United after Shame. Hey, hey. Shame. Do you think he's going to survive? You will. Because first of all, there's no other manager that will come into that place. And the ownership structure, until that's sorted out, no matter who comes in, it's going to be the same thing where after one year they'll win a trophy and then the next two years are just going to be chaos. So there's nothing that's going to change there. But one of the big games to look forward to is Arsenal up against Newcastle. Of course, you know that Arsenal come on the back of that loss to West Ham in the League Cup and Newcastle are kind just of... Just beaten yeah. Manchester United. Thank Sorry, you. I just thought I'd add that in again. And Mauricio Pochettino's up against his former side in Spurs as Chelsea take on Spurs in a derby. Thank you, Mandy. And we also have Colin Knockout Cup. For Pirates fans, this is the one competition that they can actually focus on because in the league it's not who was it? Was it you that said Orlando Pirates are, are are trophy experts? What was that? Me? I would never say that. I just read. I think it was my wonder. I, I shaded them la- on my bulletin on Wednesday when I was like, they're playing the winless Cape Town Spurs. And little did we know that Cape Town Spurs would get their first three points against Pirates. <laughs> Shady as ever. Tola Kele, thank you so much for wrapping up the world of sport. Good things. Good things. With Brent Lindeke. So listen, I think that uh, it's been an easy week for Brent Lindekew, the good thing is Guy. Brent, usually you have to bring us all of the joy and the happiness. And every bulletin this week has been led by the good things. Oh my gosh, Mandy. Uh, first of all, happy Friday to you and to all of the 702 and Cape Talk listeners. What a time to be alive in South Africa. There is such an amazing geest in our country right now. It is palpable. You can feel it. You can see it. It's all around us. And I'm here for it. It's, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Wouldn't it be amazing, Brent, if we found a way to, to leverage this feeling that we've got at the moment, to be able to, to give it longevity, to take it beyond sport into, into everything else that we deal with, all of the other realms uh, that are so often negative? Absolutely. So that's one of the things, right? We know that this feeling is going to fade away slowly but slowly, day by day, as the days go on. And I think that is something that we need to be cognizant of. It's something that we need to work towards. As South Africans, I mean, the Booker, they showed us we are stronger together. I tweeted it last night. 
tell everyone, keep telling everyone, the unity that we feel in this country right now is something that if we were able to carry it forward, it could change the face of South Africa, uh, where we kind of look at each other and go, hold on, I, I know it's tough. We've got all these challenges, like Stia said in all of those uh, post-match reports. South Africa is filled with challenges. But the hope that this Rugby World Cup win has brought to our country and the hope that it keeps delivering even now with the tour around the country, we need to somehow, somehow find a way to hold on to that and to see each other as stronger together. Because imagine what South Africa could be then. Brent, there have been wonderful little nuggets, uh, little stories that we've been celebrating. I spoke about a video of Urban Itzabeth uh, meeting the, the boy today who called him Elizabeth. Um, uh, wonderful little stories. I shared a story with you about an interview I did at the airport with Germerie de Villiers, who is a very enthusiastic Springbok fan. She flew in from Italy just to meet the box on the um, the airstrip side so that she, she could meet them. And she flew in for, for two days to celebrate and she's flying back to Italy. There's lovely stories like that. So many. So I don't know if you recall a couple of weeks ago, we featured a little kid called Desmond Kulin and he sang that I Feel Good song that was all over the news. It was all over TikTok. International stars, global stars, Will Smith, they were sharing his video of him singing, this little, little South African kid. And um, he got invited to meet the box as well. And he got given one of the medals, which was so cool to see. We've also had companies that have stepped up and done great things. So I don't know if you heard the news, but MTN has honored the Springboks with a 30 million rand uh, donation uh, into the South African Rugby Growth Fund, with 10 million rand being given to them annually over the next three years to celebrate the historic win by the box. We also had Diskim. Um, they had a, a letter that went viral where the CEO pledged to give 1 million rand for each point scored in that final. So that's 12 million rand that he's going to be dedicating to uplifting South Africa and trying to continue the spirit of Ubuntu uh, to keep us moving forward. Incredible. And and as we say, you know, you just need to, to leverage this good feeling that we've got in the country. Well, you've got a few other good news stories for us, just to step away from uh, rugby for a second. Uh, the first one is a 10-year-old uh, that was rescued. Tell us a story about that. All right, so the family of five, they were hiking up in uh, Cape Town on Table Mountain at Plattercliffe Gorge, uh, a little bit of tongue twister, and, and on their way down after having a wonderful lunch, um, he slipped, and these accidents happen, uh, it, it does happen when hiking, and he fell into barbed wire, he couldn't move, he couldn't walk, it was a dire situation, his 14-year-old brother then ran down to go get help. Um, he made his way to the cableway, uh, the aerial cableway, where they called for help. And the wilderness search and rescue then, the team made their way to him. But by the time they got to him, a doctor who was visiting, from, uh, visiting Spain from South Africa happened to also be hiking. He'd seen this happen uh, shortly after. And he was, he was able to bandage the young man's leg um, and to sort of get him stable before the wilderness search and rescue sure. could get to him. Oh, amazing. Just to, to hear when people step up and are able to, to help. Uh, and then you've got a story about a, a medical student who cycled her heart out to help other students pay off debt. So I love this because it's her final year as a med student at Salabash University. And, and instead of just going in and celebrating the end of this, she's uh, taken it upon herself to cycle 1,500 kilometers to raise money for her 
her colleagues and her fellow students who aren't able to pay debt. Um, so she's busy cycling right now. She's managed to raise almost 20,000 rand, and all that money is going to go towards helping her fellow students. And she was inspired by our very own prof, Chuli Maruntela. Sure, fantastic. Well, Brent, thank you so much for bringing us uh, the good news stories. I, I think it's been pretty easy for you this week, but we appreciate it every week. Every week, and I will continue to do it even when the guest is not here. To all of the listeners, what do I say every single Friday? Wishing you only good things. things. Brent Lindeku, the good things guy. The whole country feels like uh, they're feeding off uh, the Springboks for the good news, and I think there's only one way to end the week.